Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, featuring fresh and lively commentary on all things Primal, including Q&A sessions with Primal Blueprint founder Mark Sisson, special guest interviews hosted by Mark Sisson, and conversations with Primal Blueprint authors and other health and fitness experts. The show is presented by Primal Master Formula, the world's most potent multivitamin, mineral, antioxidant, and anti-aging supplement, available at primalblueprint.com. Past episodes are available for download or to review written summaries at blog.primalblueprint.com. And now, here's your host, L. Russ. Hey everyone, welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, coming to you from Malibu, California. Beautiful day here. We have today with us a repeat offender, Thor Conklin of ThorConklin.com. That's T-H-O-R-C-O-N-K-L-I-N.com. And when we first had Thor on the podcast, we spoke about Thor's work with profitability consulting. He's got a Peak Performance Nation and a Peak Performers Podcast. And, and both of those were created to really teach the tools and strategies and tips and psychology necessary to be a peak performer in life. And so towards the end of that podcast, I asked Thor a random left fielder question about what he felt it meant to be a man and what he teaches and models for his grown daughter and son in terms of that. And then, you know, we just sort of thought about maybe doing another podcast on that topic. And so, uh, you know, we're not necessarily relationship psychological <laughs> experts, but we're just going to talk about our personal experiences. And I'm going to ask him a bunch of questions. He also deals with tons of men in this world as well. So welcome back to the podcast, Thor. Well, thank you very much. I'm really looking forward to uh, today's uh, discussion. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Well, let's start off. Let's just, uh, if you don't mind me asking and telling the audience how old you are. 53. All right. So you've uh, you've had some experience in life. And um, when we first talked, you, you had mentioned that you really sort of learned and felt like you learned what it meant to be a man or how to treat a woman in relationships because you had failed so many times. So, hey, let's let's talk about your failures. Exactly. <laughs> um, this yeah. is a great podcast. Um, but, you know, you you mentioned that. So I think it will be helpful to men and women, right, to see where you thought you went wrong and what you realized along the way. And I know that's a loaded thing. There's going to be a lot of components to that. But let's just start there. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting because I got married when I was 25 years old, you know, and that was kind of a thing to do back then. And I was in love and everything was wonderful, right? And it it was a really good marriage. It lasted for 23 years. And then one day my wife came to me and said, uh, I don't want to be married anymore. I'm like, wait a second. I've, I've been working on this thing really hard for the last eight years trying to create spectacular and I just wasn't getting anywhere. Of course, I thought, you know, I was inward looking and saying, okay, what do I need to do better? And I had a disease that I think a lot of men have, and we don't know we have it, and that's the pleaser. We become this watered down version of a man because we're trying to please the woman and we're trying to, you know, be, uh, get along and cry. Like not and make waves, right? Just, Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, it, it, but it's like women don't like that. Women want a man. Thank you. And, and <laughs> yeah. And I just, I, I, I look, I didn't get it. You know, I, I was really clueless. And, and one of the things I do in, in my life is I solve problems. So it's like, okay, tell me what your problem is. I'm going to solve it. And I found out that women don't always want men to solve their problems. They just want them to listen. And it's like, well, I don't get that. What do you mean? I'm supposed to just listen and then not solve something. 
so I needed to go to school and really find out what women were all about. And I was forced into that after my divorce because I said I never want to go through that again. So I started uh, an MBA to find out exactly what the differences were between men and women. And I, I was on a journey to figure out what this these interrelationships look like. What was that like? I mean, you got married at 25 and then 23 years later, now you're single again. I mean, whoa, you just became single in a whole new world at that point. Yeah, it was, it was right at my 50th birthday. I, I always joke. I said, we had a big 50th birthday plan that I wasn't actually paying for one of my birthdays. <laughs> and, uh, I said, she's like, uh, no, I'm out of here. I'm like, come on, look, you know, can't we just wait till after the 50th? We're just nice, uh, Caribbean cruise, uh, all, um, uh, laid out, bare boat, you know, the whole bit. And uh, it was a real shock. You know, I never thought that I was going to find myself single again. Uh, when I make a commitment, I stick to my commitments. I figure out, you know, if it's not working, let's let's figure it out together. And what I realized in relationships is it takes two. One party cannot will it enough for the other party. So you've got to have two willing participants. And you know, I said, okay, it was really interesting because at 50, I said, okay, what, what are my prospects now? Who am I going to date? What's it like to date out there? And I got to get my act together. You know, I've got to lose some weight. I've got to get into shape. I've got to look the best I can. And I really need to understand what the opposite sex is looking for. And of course, there was a lot of things going through my head as well as, okay, sexually, you know, where do I, um, where am I on, on, on a scale from one to 10 or one to hundred, you know, what, how am I as a lover? How am I as a husband? How am I as, as anything? How do I look? Am I from a scale from one to 10 or one to hundred? You know, how attractive am I? I really needed to figure out because I'm exiting a relationship where I don't really have a lot of references to look back on and say, okay, yep, I know all that stuff's good. Great lover looking good. That's the reason she let me go. Well, let me ask you about her letting you go in retrospect. I mean, granted, it was a shock to you as you expressed, but when you look back yeah. on it, I mean, were you happy yourself? Um, sometimes I have found that, you know, people, especially who got married very young and haven't been in many relationships that were long-term before that. And if they did, they were very, you know, high school-y ones that, you know, it's, it, it's sort of just one of those things where after that period of time, you're, I don't even know what I'm trying to express here. Hopefully you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. We started to go into different directions and it started off, you know, five years, 10 years. It was just a little bit of a gap. And, you know, if you're off course by 3%, by the time you get to 20 years, you're pretty far off course. So it wasn't that it was a horrible relationship at year 20 or 23. It just was two people that appreciated each other. One person really trying to make it work. The other one just saying, you know what? I'm ready to move on and try something different. Well, good for her. <laughs> yeah, no, really. I, I, I commend her for that because I don't know if I would have had the balls to mm -hmm. say that was it. You know, there were kids involved. They weren't young kids. But, you know, again, it gets back to it's like one of my core beliefs is anything I set my mind to, I can make happen. And if I couldn't do it in this particular case, it started to undermine my overall belief in that area. So it's something I really felt and I fought quite hard for, um, in retrospect, thank God. I mean, you know, life is so much better, uh, moving forward. It just, we were not going to repair it 
and life is too short. So um, I wish her the very best. She's in a relationship. She's happy. And it's opened up a whole new opportunity for me. And I found and have dated some amazing, amazing women. That's incredible. What do you, what would you say? And, you know, again, not to like rip on your ex-wife, but uh, what were the contrasting things that when you were dating newly out of this marriage and, you know, sort of just probably meeting with lots of people and just having conversations and stuff, what was there something about certain women's personalities or things were like, Ooh, you know, I didn't have that before. And I like that. Uh, in women that I started to date. Yeah. Like where you saw like, Oh, you know, that was missing from my marriage. I didn't even know I kind of maybe wanted that, or I liked that quality about someone. Yeah. What, what it really, I, the biggest piece is I learned to regain who I was at my core. I learned how to regain the masculine energy in me that was always there. And I pushed down because every time that that welled up and, and came to the surface in, in the relationship and the marriage, she was a very masculine woman, and I was punished for that kind of challenge because it was kind of masculine energy going against masculine energy. So to find the freedom to actually embrace who I am at my core and to be with women that are extremely feminine, strong, beautiful, successful women, but have a feminine energy about them, that shit's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, we all, at least if you're uh, an opposite. I mean, I guess maybe in anyone, but male, female relationships, often we are looking for like these qualities, you know, we want a manly man, you know, but not too much where he's going to be a total bad definition of alpha and be some blustering jerk. <laughs> and, you know, of course on right. the other side too, you don't want a, uh, sobbing female who's maybe two on the other spectrum as well. Right. So yeah, right. there's definitely a balance. What would you say, you know, um, what kind of discussions, I mean, you, you've coached a lot of men, a lot of successful men. Have you gotten into these kind of discussions with relationships regarding them? And if so, what kind of themes have come up or some of the things where you've maybe coached uh, some guys on? All, all the time. And this is, you know, a good segue. This comes up all the time with my clients. You know, I, I'm working with them on profitability issues and leadership issues in their businesses. And one of the first things we start with is, dude, would you step the fuck up and grab your balls and start leading? Because right now what I see in front of me is just this, this shell of a man. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what's happened in society recently, but it seems over the last 20 years we have feminized the man. I, I'll go to the gym and I'm like, who the hell taught you or told you that wearing uh, capri tights was a cool, good looking thing for you? Dude? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's, a good I, I, you know, you know, and Lululemon now selling men's, uh, tight. I just, I, I I'm sorry. I, I don't, it's get a it. rough look for, uh, for, from my perspective as well. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 you know, I may get some hate mail because of that, but it's just, it happens all the time with my clients. It's got to, you've got to step up and start to, if no, look, I want to set this straight too. This is not a male versus female thing. This is about male, uh, masculine energy and feminine energy, and it could be reversed and, and polarized it in both of the sexes. But if you're a guy and your core is really a masculine man, first of all, I don't think there's a lot of great role models. There's certainly, I don't know where you learn it. Um, you know, where to, where to, I, w- I would love at some point to literally set up a, a a camp, you know? All right. It's like summer camp. You guys. Yeah. You guys with me, 
two months. We're going to do guy stuff. And when you leave here, you're going to know what it's like to be a man, to lead your family, to lead your community, to lead your company. Um, Jake, uh, uh, Garrett, uh, Garrett white out on the West coast by you down in orange County has a uh, program. Uh, what is his name? It's basically, it's a week long program where he takes entrepreneurs, runs them through a camp and just basically beats them up. Um, it's like seal training meets the boardroom and it's a great program. I know many uh, men that have gone through it and we need more of that. We need we need men to step up. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you were talking about lecturing the guys, you're like, dude, get some balls, man up. And it's funny because I actually used that with a really good male friend of mine many years ago. He had come out to LA to pursue acting and spent really his whole life doing it and then moved out here to do it, had done a really great job in Chicago in the theater community. And he came out here for that purpose, but he had been out here for years and had not jumped back in the game. And you know, I just, I knew he was so talented, you know, and so funny. And I, I went to him, he's like one of my best friends. And I said, listen, man, I don't know what happened to you, but you lost your fucking balls. And I don't know where they are, but you have to find them because this is ridiculous. And you need to step up. You've been out here four years. This is your dream. This is what you want to do. And you know what? You're amazing at it. Get with the program. I'm tired of this. Did a whole lecture. And actually he did. He stepped up and he finally got back into comedy. And you know what? He met his wife at that comedy theater. Now they have a baby. So even in stepping up, something else really great happened, right? It's it's when you step up in life in any area, another thing can come in is you're taking control. And I also watched his confidence completely do a 180, you know, where he was sort of beaten down and just that right. waiter at the bar. He was now a part of the big comedy scene. People were, you know, clapping at his performances. And, you know, he had a whole new group of friends. And I mean, it was really like, I have goosebumps now because it was so great to finally see him back in his element. And actually, all it took was me talking about losing his ball. So maybe that's <laughs> a common, you know, maybe that's the one that does it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's very, you know, a man can push another man Men like um, men step up as a result of conflict and um, opposition. Okay, a masculine energy will rear up to that. That's 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 part of masculine energy. So if you can get a little bit of that going, it's just like going to the gym. You've got to work it. It's a muscle that needs to be trained. It needs to be exercised, and you're going to be scared shitless in the beginning, and you're not going to be able to step up in the way that you will need to at some point. But it's just you take a little bit and you build on it. Take a little bit and you build on it. Let me ask you this. Uh, in going back to where you felt like you allowed yourself to get walked over because you'd kind of step up in the relationship and got shot down because that masculine energy wasn't received well, let's say you were in a scenario like that where you're dating someone for a while and they exhibit that kind of response to you. I'm assuming you'd have a different reaction. I'd love to hear what you would say to that person in that scenario. Yeah, for for all the the men and women listening out there, there it's a responsibility of a man to take the lead here. You cannot expect a woman to fall into her feminine and to be open and receptive unless you step up first. No amount of you know of this is in the guys' court. They have to do it. So when I meet that, you know, it's let's explain masculine for a second because I think many times that this gets misunderstood. Okay. Masculine is a quiet presence. It's an energy and it's a being. It's not loud. It is not violent. It is not um, bravado where it's look at me. It's a very 
subtle, strong energy. And when you bring that and you're unshakable in that, things just start to happen. And women around you will respond completely different. So it's it's in the man's court to take the first step and to remain in that position. Now, you know, if, if someone threatens me or those I love, I, I'll, I'll bring the energy, I'll bring the anger, I'll bring the, I'll bring the deadly force, period. But that's not what masculine leads with. It's always there. Right. I really like that answer. It is the most confident, self-assured men that I've met who've had high self-worth don't feel the need to talk. So for example, like if they're around a bunch of guys and all the guys are, you know, they don't feel the need to chime in. It's the insecure guys that feel like they've got, you know what I'm saying? It is a quiet presence because that is confidence in any situation, male or female, right? You know, it's, it's, it's a level of confidence. If you, you don't have to have the spotlight on you because you're so sure in yourself, you don't care. Right. Yeah. I was just uh, over in the channel islands for a wedding, a good buddy of mine and uh, the Isle of Jersey. And it, it's a tax haven basically. And very, very wealthy uh, individuals were at this wedding. And it was really interesting because there was a couple wannabes that were there as well. And they were kind of running around and they were kind of the clowns of the show. And yep. the families and the individuals that had massive wealth, very quiet, very understated. And, uh, you could, you could pick out the clowns pretty easy. Right. Cause people, people with class, at least I was actually, I was taught this growing up. My mom would always say people, you know, people who have class don't, talk about it. People have yeah. also money in class. They don't mention it or advertise it. Yeah. 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 Um, let me, a couple of random questions here, but let's get yeah. into this one thing. So, um, I have a couple of pet peeves when it comes to just relationship stuff. And I want to hear just, your, just a couple, couple, I want to hear your thoughts on them. Um, well, one of them is not directly related between, let's say me and someone else, but I had this experience not too long ago. Um, I've got a couple of pet peeves that are a little bit related. One is I really, I, I cannot impart this upon people listening more. I personally, and I don't think anyone enjoys this, but I can't stand it when I see a couple argue or bicker with each other in front of people. Um, it, it's a really tough situation. It happened to me not too long ago where it got so toxic, it didn't even seem as I was there. You know what I mean? I was just in the middle of this. And I had to harshly tell them to knock it off. And they didn't even realize they were doing it because I guess they're so used to and no one speaks up. And it kind of became a thing. We had a conversation about it later. And, you know, it's just one of those things. I'm wondering, you know, has that happened to you in relationships? And what are your thoughts about that? I just think it's good advice, right? Don't bring whatever negative stuff is going on in your relationship with whoever you're dating or married to into another environment. It does not just go into a bottle. It affects everyone in that room. And on that same note, it goes right into one of the other pet peeves, which is, Women who ma- emasculate their men, their man in front of people. It, it, it makes me want to cry for the guy and for the woman because in that situation, when again, it can happen both ways. I've seen it where a man is just totally ripping on his wife. It, it can go both ways. But yeah. it's especially cringeworthy to me when I see a woman do it to man because, again, it's really knocking away what we're talking about in terms of that energy. It's really knocking him down to that level, and he's okay with being there, apparently, because he allows it to happen, right? So it's a sad state of affairs, and it really only makes the person doing the emasculating, whether it's a male or female, look like an asshole. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It doesn't get anyone anywhere. And all you're doing is ripping on the person. And frankly, 
the way I look at it is, I don't know about you, I already have a brother, okay? I'm not looking for a pokey, touch-your-buttons kind of relationship, right? Anyone with siblings have already kind of had some of that in their life, right? Because after a while... No one wants to have sex with that person. Yeah. No one wants to fuck their brother or their sister, right? Yeah. You know what yep. I mean? And if you do, you get you have some pro- other problems. <laughs> but there's, there's some more coaching you're going to need. But on those two subjects, right, fighting in front of people or emasculating each other, female to male, can you talk about your personal experience with it? Any thoughts and tips on that? Yeah, on, on the first one, not too much. Uh, I, I have not been in a relationship, nor would I be in a relationship that uh, was contentious in public or you know behind closed doors. That's just... Uh, not what I would find myself attracted to, and that would end very quickly. What would you do, though, if it happened in public in front of a place and someone was just real, it was obvious, and would you have a? Would you talk to them about it afterwards? Would you pull them aside? Very similar to how I treated my kids when my kids were growing up. If someone threw a fit in public, I just grabbed their arm and we walked out very nicely to outside so it was not affecting everybody else. I would not bring that energy to any environment that is a private matter, and I would just very quietly walk outside. So and that's what I, that's how I would handle that if I found, Good advice. Yeah, yeah, I found myself on a date. Now, the, the other thing, being criticized um, and emasculated, this is something that happens all the time. And I just want to touch on a, a couple things here. For a woman, it is so, so important that you don't do these three things. Okay, so if you're a guy, take out a pen and write these down. Do not make her feel unseen. Do not make her feel unsafe. And make sure that she feels understood. Understood, unsafe, unseen. If you want to kill a relationship, have her appear unseen, unsafe, and un, um, not, not understood. Do I speak the truth there? Yeah, no, those are... Those are really great tips. Maybe we can expand a little bit more on that because uh Yeah. If you're a woman in the audience, take down these three. If you want to destroy a relationship, just pick one of these. Criticize your man, be closed off to your man, and control your man. That will destroy any relationship. And the criticized one or the emasculated one is really interesting because there's also another thing at play here is it's extremely, extremely important for women to feel safe emotionally and physically. Most women at some point in the last month have felt unsafe physically. Men, we don't experience this because we just don't go through the same thing unless someone's held us at knife point or gun point. And what happens is a woman wants to know, and this is really tough for men to understand, They want to understand that they're with a masculine male that can protect them, but the same male that is protecting them scares them sometimes, and they will many times emasculate or try to emasculate the male, challenge the male to see if he's really masculine at his core or he will cut and run the first time something dangerous shows up. Mm -hmm. Very good way to put it. Yeah. So it's, I I never understood this testing. Why do women test all the time? Well, they want to see if we're still going to be there for them. I was like, well, you know, didn't we establish that last night? Well, yes, we have to reestablish it today because when do women need to be reassured? A, A feminine woman. 
all the fucking time. <laughs> well, and that and that speaks to yeah, what you were just talking about. So in that moment, I guess it would be a good tip for guys if you're feeling that from your lady, that's a time to not be offended or take it as a slight and maybe go, ooh, maybe she just needs to be reassured or heard. Yes. And maybe yes. I need to exhibit the manly leadership qualities yes. right now. And um yeah, I'm I'm really I'm really with you on that. Yes. And it's something I did not un- understand. You know, one of the things that I did right after my divorce is I went and, and really started to do an MBA on human sexuality, the differences, men and women. What do women really want? Okay. I want a spectacular relationship, not just an okay re- relationship. I want spectacular. Okay. What does my partner need, want, and desire? It's just like business. Okay. If I want to get a new piece of business, attract a new client, I've got to find out what they need, want, and desire. The same thing with women. You've got to figure out, in in general, men think a certain way, women think a certain way, but then you've even got to dive in deeper and figure out what that specific woman needs and what does it look like for her. So I just, I I was reading and you you name it. Yeah, I've done it too. (laughs) Yeah, I think I spent more time in this particular area than I did in college. Well, it's really interesting. One of the things you touched on at the beginning of the podcast is something I read in one of these books about like, you know, hey, like this is how guys think. It was actually written by a guy like, hey, women, here's a book on how guys think so that you can understand. And one of the things I thought was interesting is, and again, this is not like excusing anyone's, you know, bad behavior as a result of confronting someone in the situation. But he was saying like, A, that men are, like you said earlier, kind of they're, if you present them with a problem, they're going to look for a solution. And sometimes you just need to vent to your boyfriend, right? You, you know, you, you and like you were talking about earlier, the woman is not looking for solving. She's just looking for an ear. And so sometimes, you know, again, that's just a natural state for guys where they're going to want to try to solve the, the problem. Um, sometimes when I am bent out of shape, uh, which is rare, but if I feel like I need to go vent that, I will call a friend who kind of speaks the same language I do. And, and I'll say, Hey, look, you know, I just want to vent this out. And then, and then, when, and then, you know, then I want to talk to you about getting it to the right place. Or I may call and say, "Hey, look, I'm not even looking for advice right now. I, I just need to like blurt this out. Do you know what I mean? Because that way, you're not going to get offended when advice comes back, and and you don't want it. So it's great to prep the guy too, right? Like, hey, honey, you know what? I'm not even looking for a solution right now on this. I just need to bitch this out. I'm pissed off, right. and I just want to get it out right. and 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 just kind of talk about it with you. But I'm not really looking to solve it. It's just one of those things. So at least they know, like, what do you want out of this? Because they are going to be looking for solutions. And then the other thing that I read in that book was something about where like guys are pretty one track focused. And so if they're like in the garage focusing on something and you like walk in and you're like, Hey, what about this? What about that? They're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Like not that you guys can't multitask, but I think women have a a more innate quality, uh, with that. And so the guy who wrote the book was talking about how it's better to approach that situation in terms of like, Hey, listen, when you have a minute, you know, or when you're done, let me know. I got to tell you about this thing or whatever, you, because you've got to kind of part compartmentalize it when a guy is in like fixing his car in the garage, you know, right. and he's like in that thing. So I thought that was kind of interesting as well. Um, it, you know, on both sides, we need to look at what strong qualities are there, how to foster them, but also how to, how to work around them. Right. In terms of what I spoke about, like with the advice, et cetera. Absolutely. And you know, what you said was so brilliant about, pre-framing the topic that you're going to discuss. Honey, I don't want a solution here. I just want to talk. What we have, men, think of our brains as like a waffle. And we have these little storage (laughs) 
compartments. As soon as you start talking, the first thing we have to do is go, where does this fit in? What, you know, what drawer do I need to pull out so I can start to stick in this information? Where women work much more like a, someone described it as a ball of copper wire. Everything's connected. They're feeling everything. They're seeing everything. They're emotional about everything. Everything is just one big electronic um, thing going on. Us, it's like, okay, you're now talking about the cat. Okay, let me pull the cat file out. Now continue to proceed. And until we figure out where it goes, we're confused. We literally will sit there and go, I don't know what this has to do with anything. And unfortunately, some guys will actually form a habit of going, honey, I have no idea what you're talking about. What, why are we even talking about this? When simply she needed to just talk about it. She needed to get it out. Yeah, no, that's a really great one. Just pre-framing. I think a lot of conversations we have with people, yeah. friends and family uh, yeah. alike. Um, I'm going to ask you another random one here. So, and then I'm going to get back yeah. to some more juicy stuff. But so uh, I personally can watch guys do guy shit all day long. Like I am so attracted. If I watch a guy like building something, it could be like a stupid doghouse. I don't care what it is. Fixing something, anything classically that's super manly, like whatever, you know what I mean? All those things. It just, I love that. What is it? Do you have the same thing on your side about women? And don't be afraid to say watching a woman cook in the kitchen. I mean, look, you know, that's not, I don't think that anything like that's sexist. People could call me sexist for saying that. I think it's yeah, masculine yeah. if a guy's building something. There's a beta male out there that's like, I've got soft hands. I don't build shit. But but, but that's like, I'm really attracted <laughs> to that. Like, I'm just naturally, like when a guy is doing some manly thing that's like a man thing, oof, I, I, it doesn't yeah. even matter who it is. I just think it's so sexy. What is that thing for you about women? And this this goes back to our DNA. Oh, it is. And, and by the way, I want, I want to be clear on this. It is not a sexual dance. It's a free and open and flowing dance. And it goes right back to our DNA. You are looking for the guy that's going to protect you and is a specimen that is worthy of keeping you safe. What we love is open women. Nothing will kill a relationship for us if you're closed down. We're, all we're trying to do is light you up. We, we want our princess. We want our queen. We're trying to please you without being a pleaser. And all we want to do is see you smile. And when you're open, that radiates your beauty and your feminine side. And that masculine energy of ours, is it's like north and south uh, poles. It's Op, you know, negative and positive ions just going. And that is what that one author, gosh, I forget his name. I feel bad. Um, mentioned as well about male and females. There has to be polarization. Yes. And, and, yes. and I personally, in any relationship. Yeah. And I personally find Gay, this with, lesbian, doesn't matter. yeah, exactly. And I, you know, there are, there are roles there, no matter, you know, you can call them what you want for me personally, because I am an alpha female and I'm a strong woman. I tend to gravitate more towards alpha males because of the polarization. Because with an alpha male, I do feel safe, protected. I can kind of slip into my feminine. Do you know what I mean? It's it's giving right. me the opportunity to be that part. If I have some, if a, a personality like me would do terribly, and I've tried this in the past, but would do terribly with a beta male because I inevitably, with my personality, would probably end up being like a mom cheerleader type where I'm teaching and helping a man. I don't want to be in that situation. I don't want to be the mother to a guy. Uh, I, I I want the guy. 
to be the guy, you know? And so for me, it's that polarization of that male that's already securing himself and up there because I'm also securing myself too. So again, I don't want to have to teach a man how to right? and not that beta males out there need that to be taught anything. You know, there's just different polarizations there. It doesn't work personally for me. You know, for me, an alpha strong male is really the best compliment for my personality because out there in the world, I am, you know, uh, independent and, you know, alpha, but not, I don't, that's not, who I am when I'm in a romantic situation. I want to feel those yummy feminine feelings, you know, and only right. that kind of polarization and, and gives look, me that. You are an attractive, young, intelligent woman, an alpha female, confident. If the guy you're with is not going to provide that for you, you have everything within yourself to provide it for yourself. But there's a part of you that wants to let go and say, okay, Please be the guy that's going to, you know, protect me if I need it. That's right. But if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it myself. And the guy that you need to attract and the only one that's going to uh, pass the test, so to speak, is going to have to be a really masculine guy (laughs) because you're going to challenge him sometimes. You're going to push back. You're going to say, okay, are you really as strong as you look on the outside? I, I, you know, I will say, though, uh, past couple of uh, long-term relationships I've had that were with men like that, I, it, that never actually happened. I think because that polarization was so strong, I felt so really? safe, and I felt like I was with such an incredible manly man. Oh, you, you didn't challenge him? No. Okay, um, good. No, I, I think no, I think we all challenge it at some point. I think there's some point in relationships where you're like, all right, well, where are we going or whatever. You know, there, of course, there there might be one of those. I don't know if they're challenges. I actually never challenged it. And here's why it was interesting. You know, and I know this is I know this is such a classic theme. You see so many women leaving the house with the guy. The guy's like doesn't know where the keys are. It's just useless, right? And you know, the woman's like getting all the shit together for him and all that kind of stuff. With the guy that I had dated that that I was, uh, was just talking about. It was like everything was already prefigured out as if I did it because I'm a planner that way. Like if I know I'm going to the beach, I got the shit ready. I got the, you know, I got it all together. I don't need to like, and I never needed to even be like, oh, did you forget this? Did you remember this? Did you not once? It was like, there wasn't any of that stuff that he was so self-sufficient and so manly. He had it already taken care of. And it was like, yes, that's the model of what I'm looking for. You know, not someone who needs a mommy to follow them around and go, did you do this? Did you do that? You know what I mean? I, that still doesn't mean I couldn't take care of this yep. man. Of course, you take care of them in a way, you know, any woman would. But but and I, don't, I don't mean that way, but I, I, that too. But no, you know what I'm saying? It's it's a different energy. So I yeah. didn't feel I needed to challenge him. Um, I think the challenging would more come with me if I was with someone who was less secure. And I think that that would be a problem. And like you said earlier, you know, when women keep getting into that challenging mode, you know, eventually, how can you be attracted to someone that you think is a wimpy person you can walk over. That's not right. It's not going to end well. It does not work for women from what they've told me. <laughs> well, you get people, your events saying things like, so glad to know there are still men out there like you, right? So what do you think they mean? I mean, we've talked about some of it, but what are they saying to you? You know, it's, it, I know you're going to have to compliment yourself here, but yeah, th- thank you. It's, I've really embraced and developed who I am. I know who I am. I'm not questioning why I'm here. What am I doing? And there's a there's a sense of absolute certainty and groundedness. I guess centeredness. I guess is is the way to say say it. 
is when stuff needs to get done, it gets done. When I'm in a dating relationship, it's like you don't have to do anything. It it is taken care of. It is done. Oh, I was I was at the event you're talking about. I was down in Miami Beach. And I was talking to a women's group, and we were going out that evening to test some of the the techniques and skills and some of the things that we talked about during the day. And everyone's standing around waiting for the uh, Uber, the SUV Uber to come to pick up the group. And I'm like, I'm not going to stand here waiting for it to arrive to me. I'm like give me your phone. Where is it? I'm going to get them. I'll be back with them. And they were like, oh my God, I've never seen that happen. I was like, that's so sad. If if you think I'm going to stand here waiting for something to happen, you got the wrong guy. I'm going to go make it happen. I love that. Yeah. And, And it's funny because I just said it like that because that's just how I operate. And to see the response, and I got some feedback, we were kind of debriefing some of the stuff, and they were like, that was amazing. I was like, right. just for me, that's second nature. It's like, you know, if you're a guy, why would you sit there waiting for something to happen? Go out and make it happen. Yeah, exactly. And even, even little dumb things, I'll say this, like dumb things, like if you're even checking into a hotel with a guy or do something like that, it's like the guy should do it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And we, you know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of men just go, oh, let it. That's a very manly thing. It's a very stupid, dumb, yeah. simple thing every guy yeah. can do, right? Just take control of whatever your travel arrangements are and handle it. If your wife does all of the booking and stuff, maybe though, you give me the tickets. I'm going to check into the hotel. It's just, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. And it was, little, little it was funny. The car actually pulled up on the other uh, side of the street. So uh, the ladies were on one side of the street. I was on the other side of the street with the car. So I just walked out in the street. This is South Beach Avenue or whatever that main street down in South Beach is. So I just stopped traffic. I was like, uh, let me stop the traffic and then you can walk across. Again, that's it's what am I going to I'm going to stand on one side and let them fight traffic and possibly get hit? No. So it was like, okay, step down the middle of the street, you stop, you stop, don't test me on this. Ladies, please walk across. And then when we got to where we were going, it was kind of crowded, so we were walking through the, this, you know, sea of people. I was like, you know, just follow me. And if I know people are following me, especially if women are following, it's okay. I'm going to create a path for people to walk through. Um, so it's really a, a an, an attitude, I guess. Yeah. And it wasn't an obnoxious way. I wasn't, Hey, get out of the way. You know, it's just like, we're coming through please part. <laughs> so it's so strong and manly. I love it. And it, it leads into those small things like chivalry really isn't dead. Always open the car door for your girlfriend. Yeah. Always, yeah. always, you know, even 10 years in, just keep doing it. Keep opening the door. Uh, all of those things are just so appreciated by women. It's so nice. Yeah. I'm not, I'm still not good at that one. The opening the door. I know. I know ladies, I know listening. He's not perfect now. Yeah. It's, it's not something that I grew up with. It's not, it's not a habit that I have formed and have been good at. So, All right. Well, yeah. one of your failures you need to work on. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Exactly. That's right. Open the doors. Yeah. Um, what are, what are some of the things that, um, I know you mentioned these three things for men and women, you know, that you were looking at, like, here's a way to kill a relationship. Um, and aside, of course, making some, a, a woman feel safe, seen, heard, what are some other things I I'll throw out one is, you know, and this is just classic with women. And again, maybe it's the reassurance thing. Right. Uh, and again, that could be back to primal. Like this guy's not going to leave me out here in, in the middle of nowhere. 
<laughs> you know, uh, but the, just general appreciation, you know, just like if you're talking with your girlfriend or your boyfriend and they say something really smart and you're thinking to yourself, wow, they're so smart or what a really great point. Like what's the hurt in saying it? People don't get appreciated enough. And it's so dumb because it's words. It could just take a guy waking up one morning with his girlfriend and calling her and going, you know what? I'm just so happy you're in my life. Like how easy yeah, is that? It, absolutely. And, it, and the benefits that that gives the guy, I mean, you are going to be home runs, you know, guys just, if they could just even appreciate on a verbal level in dumb, small ways, it, it means everything to us. I think, Women would rather get more of that than get gifts. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny because I have a game that I play. Uh, it's almost becoming a little bit of a joke because I'll go somewhere and people are like, oh, here goes Thor. He's going to do it again. And literally, I'll do this to strangers uh, in a restaurant, in a park, anywhere. So if I see someone, you know, a couple sitting together and they kind of look like a cute couple, I'll go, you guys look like a really cute couple. I said, would you, would you like to play a game? And they kind of look at me like, who are you? <laughs> I said, it's, it's a really fun game. I promise. It just takes a couple of minutes and it's called what I like about you. And they're like, oh, that's interesting. So I said, here's the, how the game works. And, and anybody, please steal this. Go up to someone and say, okay, there's going to be three rounds and it's called what I like about you. The first round is I want you to tell me two to three things that you really like or love about the other person. And they have to be non-sexual and non-physical. And they'll say, you know, I really like how they open the car door for me or whatever that might be. Round two is, what do you like about them physically? And then round three is, what do you like about them sexually? And it is absolutely amazing because you can walk up to a couple that is just kind of, you know, having an okay night finish this game with them. And it's like, they're on a honeymoon. I've had people go, right. They're like a newly in love again. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's like, it's crazy that we're in a relationship with someone. Sometimes, you know, they're just dating or sometimes they're in a marriage. And it's like, when's the last time you told your partner what you really love about them? And why are you waiting for a stranger to come up and ask you that question? Why aren't you doing this every single week? Right. And more often than not, in a lot of the books and gurus on relationships, when they talk about appreciation in this way, they usually, you know, kind of cover the ground where, so aside from, you know, it seems like in relationships, people tend to over time start to point out in their mind what is wrong with the person. And they're not reaffirming what's right about it. Yes. And just reaffirming what's right about it, even if it's your own like thought of, well, what do I like about this person? And the same can be said for turning around someone who's in a negative spiral about whatever. It's like, I hate my job. Da, 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 da. Sometimes I'll just turn around and be like, all right, well, look, we've talked a lot about what you don't want. What do you want? And when people start talking about what they want, they light up, man. You know, it changes, right? Like it changes the whole scenario. So yeah. that's what you do with that couple. Not that they were in a negative space, but you just up the vibration by being like, hey, let's yeah. just throw some awesome positivity in here and regenerate that. You know, and I bet you they continued that evening probably expressing more things to each other that they liked about each other. Exactly. It's interesting because round one is when it's non-sexual and non-physical, some of the things that come up are really interesting. And here's the key. So someone will say, you know, he's just so kind to me. And I said, you know, I don't have any reference. Can you give me something specific of how he does that? And then she'll go into some details of what he specifically does. And I said, what's important about this is you're now telling him what he's done to win. 
And if you want him to win more, you have to tell him not only what you want, but the rules around it. And they'll walk away and go, wow, that's, I, I, I never knew that. She really appreciated it. When I brought flowers home on, you know, on Fridays, I just thought, you know, she kind of liked it. I didn't know she, it was like that important to her. Oh, it's, that's just like, oh yeah, that's, it's so, so easy, right? To pick up, you can get flowers anywhere. <laughs> so Right, right. right. And, and, and some, some might have rules around, okay, you know, I, I want, I, I don't, really want him to buy the flowers. I just want him to find some random wild flowers that he picks for me. Sure. You know, everybody has different rules. So dig into what those rules are. That's when you find the magic. It's so interesting. Uh, the whole, the whole, the whole dating sphere. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm online. I see, I got really wish I could, I, I should write a book on men and how to not F up their online profiles because you see, <laughs> you see so much, so much bad stuff. And, you know, you can see the insecurity right away. And that's especially if they have tons of photos in front of a car or boat. Right. Um, and then that yeah, guy's going to be yeah. the same guy that gets pissed off. He's got a gold digger and be like, why do people like me for who I am? It's like, well, fuck it. Why don't you step up and not, you know, you asked for it. Um, uh, oh, another thing, uh, I've seen on some people's profiles. I just go, Oh dudes is when I see someone going, well, I'm a work in progress. Not one woman wants a work in progress. Now we all are a work in progress, but you know what I mean by that? Right. It's like, that's not leading with confidence, <laughs> you yeah. know? So I, I know there's a, there's, there's, there's so many nuances in there in that arena. One note on that is when I did, uh, become single and I was, uh, online, one of the first things I did was I found women that were friends of mine that I wasn't going to date, but I wanted to date someone like her. And literally I hired, hired, uh, several of them to work with me and say, okay, look, I'm 50. I just got divorced. I want to date a woman like you. They could have even been married. They were friends. And I said, okay, what style clothing style do you like? What do you like as far as men? I started to interview for a better, uh, choice of words the audience that I was trying to meet. So are you saying you had them help you? Oh yeah. I, I you know, uh, took, uh, two of them on personal shopping. Oh, nice. Um, they fixed you up. Yeah. Well, yeah, it was, it was really, yeah. Because I was kind of like a Bahama, you know, Bahama, whatever. Uh, Tommy Bahama. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I, I kind of look like an advertisement for Tommy Bahama. And I was like, I think, <laughs> I, I think I'm a little outdated right now. So it was kind of funny because we started going around and we ended up at, oh, where was it? Diesel or someplace. And they're like, you, you got to get these jeans. I'm like, I don't think these look good. And it was funny. I walked out of the uh, dressing room and uh, to it were like, yeah, that looks really good. And then the sales girl came over and was like, oh my God, that's hot. Oh, like, I'll take two of those. Yeah, I'll take 15 of those. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. That's great. That's right. What, um, one of the other things too, I, I, just as a reference point to maybe for a thought for people, and I want to hear what your thoughts are on this. So I've learned through relationships and in general, one of the things that I feel is really important because when I see it failing elsewhere, the relationships never succeed is in my opinion, um, okay, you can have someone who's nice, someone who's smart, you know, you can have this list of things, but- I feel like it's really important to like the way the other person thinks about things, thinks about the world, looks at the world, handles conflicts. That's what I'm looking for. And because that's where so much admiration comes. If you really love the way someone looks at the world, handles situations right, 
And then there's someone who's been with the same guy for five years and then they break up with him. He's a disaster, angry, you know, mess. And it's like they saw that the whole time. Did they think that was going to change from the very beginning? They didn't like the way that person thought about things. They didn't like the way. And you know what? We can find this everywhere. It's in people's comments. It's how they react to a stressful situation, right? These things are detectable kind of right off the bat. Just spending a little bit of time with people, you know, you can see how they think about things. I think that's so important, don't you? Because there's so many other aspects. And, you know, eventually, if you grow old with this person, you're sitting around, you better like hanging out with them and like the way they are talking about things in the world. And I find that to be so admirable. And I wish more people would give that more credit than some of the other things. Because I feel so many people hold on to crappy relationships, and they're still with someone, you know, people do that anyway. But when I've really gotten down to the bottom of it with people, they don't like the way their partner looks at the world or thinks about things. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. You know, it was interesting because I found myself in a scenario where I did not have a very good selection process. And what I mean by that is, you know, whether it was online dating or in person, you know, I'd see someone go, wow, that's hot. I want that. And I'm like, I think I need to come up with a little bit better selection process than that. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a weekender. That exactly. might not last longer than right, a weekend. Yeah. Right. But it was like, okay, but what else do I do? And I kept hearing over and over again from uh, the girls that I was dating that, that and dating when I said, when I first got divorced, I, I called dating as going out on a date. We weren't in a relationship, we were going out yes. on a date. And I kept hearing this chemistry, chemistry, chemistry. I want the chemistry. I was like, I need something to put around that word chemistry. So I literally sat down and I said, okay, what are the various things that I'm really, really interested in? And what do I need to look at from a, a really a relationship standpoint? And I came up with the six eyes of chemistry as I Ooh. see it. Yes. So the first eye is eye candy. And I know that it's not, you know, mm-hmm. That I. That's subjective. That's, that's subjective. Totally subjective. I, I was, it was my rule so I could throw in eye candy. Now, by the way, these are not in order. They're in no particular order. But I've got to be attracted to the woman. Of course. Intelligence. I need someone who's highly intelligent that I can pitch and catch with. We're throwing ideas around. We're, we're, we're pushing each other. We're, we're expanding ourselves. We're growing. And I really have the ultimate respect for her. From a from an intelligence standpoint, interest. She has to have her own interest. I have to have my own interest. But at some point, our interests have to align. If she loves to knit, I don't have to be a knitter. But <laughs> that would knock down your masculinity. That would uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but at some point, we've got to come together, and we've got to have some common interest that we're spending time together. The next was, and this is to your point identity. You know, what are their values? What are their goals? How do they think? What is their heart like? Are they spiritual? Are they religious? You know, what's most important to them? What drives them? How do they behave? Uh, and, and that obviously takes some time to uncover, but it's probably one of the most important areas out of all of them that, you know, are you on the same wavelength? Are you on the same plane? Are you headed in the same direction? The next one was just invisible. And that's just that thing that draws you to that person. It's not their intelligence, not their identity. It's not their looks. It's just like, there's just this magnetism between you. It's just, they're, they're drawn to you. You're drawn to them. And the last one is uh, intimacy. 
uh, you know, it's got to work uh, in the bedroom as well. So I love that. I love, I love all of those are so what a, that's just a great kind of, it just made it so much easier because I could literally sit down and over Starbucks coffee, I could sit there and we would talk about different things and where they were going, what they're doing. I was like, you know what, this would be somebody need to date, but I know even right now, this is not someone I want to spend the rest of my life with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are those defining moments <laughs> as well. Yeah. And it, it just, it gave me a little bit more to work with other than Wow, she's hot. On the level of intimacy, so forget sexual, physical intimacy for a second. I think this is another area where guys need to step up in terms of appreciation on a verbal level, verbal intimacy. And again, I'm not talking about mushy, wishy-washy stuff that we don't want guys to stoop down there and become that. But I am talking about, and it, whether it is the words, I love you, which of course, if you're at that stage in a relationship, yes, say it as much as you can to your, <laughs> to your significant other, because they will appreciate that. But also just like verbal in- intimacy. I remember being in a relationship that was totally devoid of it and great in every other way. And it was really tough because it felt so alone to go to bed at night and just be like, all right, good night. Like there was no, like, it didn't have to be an, I love you, but there was no looking into one's eyes and just going, I had such a fun day or you're beautiful or I'm so glad you're here with me tonight or you just like, like just like three words, man. Like just can't, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like that's another, that's another net the guys need to cast is just step up on the verbal appreciation in every way, including verbal intimacy, right? Because that is something that we all want and we don't want our guys to become emotional wrecks. That doesn't mean we want you to cry in front of us and be like, we love, love you. So, you know what I mean? And fall apart, but it's, just verbal appreciation and intimate situations. Do you know where I'm going there? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's men need to understand that they need to be vulnerable and that vulnerability is not a sign of weakness. Just like femininity is not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of immense strength and being vulnerable as a man is, as women have told me, is very sexy. It's very appealing and it's very genuine. Speak your your heart. Speak what's on on your on your soul. Share that. That is that's what human connection and, and love is all about. Not just with without that, I I don't think you have anything. Well, that's why I'm not in that relationship anymore. And and I yeah. and I feel and you know one of those things back then I remember having you know sort of like a. Not exit interview, but just, you know, a sort of last conversation (laughs) with the person. Um, When we were talking about this, it it was interesting because he, quote, showed me all the time. Meaning, like, for example, he knew I liked a certain type of coffee. I wouldn't even have to ask. I'd be at his house. I'd open the refrigerator. Oh, my God, four bags of it. When you see something like that, oh, that's really, that's wonderful. When guys show and don't even tell, that's amazing. He just already thought of it. He didn't even drink coffee, but he knew I liked it, picked it up. When you're forward-thinking light and you show and you do gestures like that, that means a lot. But the one thing he couldn't do was verbally show them. And when I was having a conversation with him towards the end about this, I had said, you know, I'm not, it was not a matter of, I guess my explanation to him was, well, there are clearly things that you think are awesome about me, yet I don't ever hear them. I know you feel that way because I see the way you show it to me, but women need to be told too. Do you know what I mean? And I feel like this guy, and again, you know, I mean, lovely person. I have actually nothing negative to say about him. Um, But I kind of sensed at some point in the relationship where I was like, ooh, I think I'm kind of dating a robot a little bit, you know? And Again, and he said, well, don't I show you? 
And I was like, you do. In fact, he showed me in ways men haven't that are were amazing, but we still need to be told. You know what I mean? And so it's like, again, any quality that you like about your significant other that you can pull out at any random time to just go, you know what I love about you? I just love the way you handled that, that that just brushed right off your shoulder and that you don't blow up when things like that happen or whatever it is, just compliments, right? Learning to receive them, but also, because I know that's a problem with women, but to dish them out. And that's part of verbal intimacy too. So you can't just show, right? You got to tell for the full picture or it's just not going to women aren't going to feel that love. Absolutely. And you know, that reminds me, it sounds like if you've never read the book, the five love languages from Gary Chapman, that he contends there's five love languages and some people it's acts of service. And what we generally tend to do is respond in the same way that we want to have love shown to us. And if you're with someone that likes doing things for you, um, they may not have a high enough appreciation of words of affirmation, which you were desiring. Yeah, absolutely. Tell me. Yeah, tell me, right? Are you asking me or you're saying like, just tell me? No, no, you're right. Yeah, just yeah. tell me. And some, you know. Because they're thinking them or they wouldn't still be with you, right? They're right. still, clearly they're thinking it, things about you that they love along the way. Absolutely. So then it's like, well, then right. express it occasionally. Throw out a bit. Give me something to hold on to here, you know? And it's all about communication. You've got to have open communication going back and forth and, you know, sit down, take the quiz in the back of that, find out what your partner's love language is, and then dive into it. Great. It says here that words of affirmation are really important to you. When would you like those? How would you like those? Which ones mean more to you? How can I even show you that I love you even more? You know, dig into it. Acts of service. Dig into it. Yeah, I I even met someone that has actually written contracts with their significant other. Like, all right, you know, I I I really want you to walk with me every morning, you know, at this time or you know, what I mean, again, they're not like right, lots yeah. of I thought that was very interesting yeah. and unique, but clearly it was because the I think the person who brought it upon, she's a coach, she's very forward thinking and she probably was like, "Hey, so that we don't run into trouble, let's talk about what's expected in this living scenario that we just started." Right. You know what yeah. I mean? And what would you like and what what would would you need? And you know, I think that that what a mature smart kind of conversation doesn't mean you have to write a contract out to, you know, but you know what I mean? Right. Um, I think they did that because they weren't married and he had some children. And of course there were different responsibilities involved. And I think it was like, all right, let's sit down and kind of hash this out. So we don't run into problems later and we know what our roles are and what's expected of us. And I think like uh, that would probably be a great thing for every couple to, to have at some Absolutely. point. You know, think of it as in a business uh, context, you know, you bring on a new client and what are you going to tell that new client? Okay. Now you're my client. You know, I promised you some things uh, early on, but now you're a client, so I really don't care about meeting your needs, your wants, your desires. What's going to happen? They're going to leave. You know, but in a relationship, we do the same thing. We get what we desire. It's on board. Now it's like, okay, I don't really have to nurture this. And that's where a lot of failures happen, obviously. You, you, people get comfortable, yeah. and when you get comfortable, it's almost being lazy. It's getting lazy. Yeah, Absolutely. And taking the other person for granted, like going back to treating them like a brother or sister, and that is not uh, ever appropriate. <laughs> in, in in rap, I mean, I know people can reach you at your website, and you do so much consulting on uh, so many other topics of performance. Um, but now I'm thinking you should write like peak performer for in and out of the bedroom, like edition. 
<laughs> like, I love that idea. <laughs> um, tell, tell us all before we go, you know, tell us a little bit more. We talked about it in the first, first podcast with you, but, you know, let the audience know a little bit more about what you do, even though this conversation was a little bit off topic from what you normally do. You do profitability consulting, and I know you work with men and entrepreneurs to increase their business. Do you have plans to do any type of relationship seminars or things on this topic? that we were chatting about today? You know, I'm getting um, brought into it more and more. It's something that I really feel very, very strongly about. It's something that is completely misunderstood. And it is my belief in working with my clients that if this area isn't taken care of and this area is not exceptional, it's going to affect every other area of your life. The same thing with with their health and nutrition. You know, you've got, those are the building blocks. Those are the things that, I'm sorry, you can't create an amazing business if your health and nutrition's not right and your relationships aren't right. So you've got to have those two uh, taken care of first. Um, That's right. And I love that you do emphasize that part for every person that comes to you is, hey, you got to get your health together and get it together because your mind and brain and body are not going to be optimal for success financially or in any other arena if that's not already there. And like you said, you can. there are people out there with tons of money and they're sick and they have horrible relationships. And that's they don't wake up every day excited about their lives, even though their bank account's full. So it, like you said, it's going to spread to one area, right? It's going to spread to all of them eventually and be toxic. So you got to kind of look at all the areas and make sure you're performing right at your peak in every one of them. Yeah. And it looks like uh, I've been approached by uh, another entity to come on and actually collaborate in creating uh, live events around this very topic. So I'm in the early stages of discussion with with them. And I'm excited to where that'll go because the world is crying for this. Uh, you know, we're crying for you, Thor. That's right. Yeah. We're, we're all crying for you. No, but I think it's so great. And you know, there are, I, I've noticed there's a lot of podcasts out there, like, you know, how to be a man, ultimate men. And, you know, I know this is a topic out there. I know Mark also, uh, he's a pretty alpha dude. He gets, you know, interviewed sometimes about this, but I feel the more and more examples like yourself to just be a role model to other men who might not have grown up with one at all or grew up with a terrible one. And they need people like you to show them, you know, sort of how to step up. I think you would be so successful. I hope you really go that direction because I'd love to. And if so, come back on and talk about that. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I mean, it's uh, it's something I'm very passionate about. And it's something that I'm continuing to grow and learn myself as well. And I, I operated the majority of my marriage in a position where I was not stepping up and being the man that I could have been. And would you get married again? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's so nice to hear when someone's been married before and they're not bitter about oh, it. Oh yeah. No, 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 no. Absolutely. For it. Yeah. No, That's you know, it was, it was interesting because I, I was still going through kind of an emotional roller coaster, I guess about a year and a half after I got divorced. And I, I, I thought maybe you kind of go through the emotions once it's like, you know, angry, frustrated, confused, you know, all those different emotions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) So I went through all those, you know, one time and then they started to come back again. I was like, this is crazy. You know, really, I was like, you know, I'm a dude. Okay. It's like, I I dealt with those emotions. They're done. You know, they're in the past. I've put them in their little boxes. Why are they coming back up again? And I was on a plane flying back from Florida and I'm looking out the window and I was reading a, a, friend of mine's uh, book, The Detox Divorce. And I said, you know, my ex has given me the opportunity to create something spectacular going forward. And 
why am I upset? I should be sending her flowers. <laughs> and it was at that moment that things changed and it, it became a different, a, a different environment, a different game at that point where I was, you know, sad for the closure of that, but happy to see what was in front of me. So yeah, absolutely. Always and always a learning opportunity. And again, you know, uh, you know, maybe my last note. Just you can only learn. You've got to also take ownership for it. it, it oh no yeah. Two, no one person effed up a relationship. Yeah. You have some part in it, even if that person was horribly abusive. You allowed it, right? Or you maybe accepted it for too long, or whatever. There's some responsibility to take to walk out of a relationship, blame the other person, and continue on and think that you're going to find the right person, yeah. you're bound to keep learning that lesson. Yeah, absolutely. So, right? And, and it wasn't until I learned my lessons that I started to attract the right type of guys, you know? And even though I'm not married yet at this moment, I have absolute faith that I will meet that person because I've already had the experience of the change in attraction of what I've brought into my life. Yes. Probably like when you were saying your picker was off at first and then you needed to kind of look at that and same here. But you know, it wasn't really until I sat down and was like, all right, so there's a theme among these guys I've dated for all these years. And this theme is not what I want. Where'd it come from? What's the deal? And what do I want to bring in? And when I really got clear with that and I wrote the list and I did that, I started to really attract those guys, you know, and it, it really does work. But you have to get in with your own junk and solve yeah. it and look at your own mistakes and where you failed and how you participated. And it's painful and it sucks. No one wants to do that. Yeah. But do you want better next time? Right? Yeah. I always say, you know, I go through a process of figuring out what you want, get really clear on what you're looking for in that man or woman, figure out where they might be spending their time, where might you find them. And then a man or a woman of this caliber, what are they looking for? Write a list out of who you think they might be looking for. And then the last step is, well, actually the second to last step is, okay, you're looking for this. He or she's looking for this. What needs to change? in order for you to be the type of man or woman this person might be looking for. And that's where the rubber meets the road. And it gets real because they realize at that point is this, per I have high standards, but they also have high standards. And I'm going to have to make some changes in my life if I want to attract a man or woman like this. And then the last step, I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I really like and that. It, then it gets real. It's like, you know, if, if you want be, to attract be the person them, you want, yeah. The, I mean, if you right, want to attract some guy that, wanna, yeah. that has an eight pack and, you know, is athletic and, and outgoing and has high energy, well, chances are he's going to be looking for a woman that is in really good shape, that has high energy and is energized to go and do. And if That's you're right. not like, be, be realistic, right. about I mean, chances are, <laughs> I mean, he might be looking for an overweight smoker, but it's unlikely. It's kind of unlikely. And you know, here's the interesting thing about that. I'm going to uh, admit one of my fails. Many years ago, I was a cigarette smoker. I haven't been for a long time. But when I was, I I never wanted to date another smoker because I was so <laughs> wanting to quit smoking, right? Anyway, and yeah. I had, you know, you, as a smoker, you go through that a million times in your yeah. life until you finally do it. And one of the things that I would online only choose non-smokers. And then I literally would be like, well, listen, if I meet someone and it gets going, then I'll quit. As if like they'd be the catalyst to then help me quit my – and also right. too, then afterwards I was laughing thinking – Think about how like disingenuine and, and like kind of fake that it like no one who's a non-smoker wants to date a fucking smoker. <laughs> like I wasn't being the person. And actually, that was one of the things that uh, actually years ago I changed. I was like, you know what? I got to be the person I want to be with. And I don't want to date a smoker at all, ever. 
So I'm a fucking smoker. Like, I got to stop this. If I ever want to find a smoker, I can't right. wait to find one and then hope that that will be the catalyst that will make me quit. Like, I can only imagine the first few weeks in that relationship quitting smoking might not be emotionally good for the person quitting <laughs> and probably not the best way to enter into a relationship. Like, I just quit nicotine, right? And I'm freaking out. So, you know, but again, it was one of those things, right? And I think we do that sometimes. We're, we're looking for something that we're not. And that's yeah. okay. We can have complementary values and, and different, you don't need to find your your clone but you know what i'm saying like there's those yep. little things you got to yep. look at in life and go because if you want like a really fit guy who works out every day are, do you have that same discipline and dedication um and then on that same note too i i back in the day i used to date some couch potatoes and it did not work for me at all and um i i had to make that decision too where i was like i i can i have to date people that it's just a part of their life already yeah no no, Do you know what I mean? No like question. it's it's already there. I'm not going to help someone and personal train someone. It that never works. And again, right? You're not going to change someone. Uh, so, uh, you know, I had to start to be like, all right, I need to look at the fit here because um, that's going to be a conflict down the road or something I'll eventually find unattractive in them because they don't care about taking care of themselves in some way. No question. You know, it's um, it's interesting because. I'm a little controversial in this area, but I believe you can't have it all. And what I mean by that is you need to make decisions. You cannot decide that I want to eat whatever I want and be in great shape. You can't decide to uh, be everything to everybody. You have to pick what you're going to be, who you're going to be, and you can't do everything. You just have to decide this is who I'm going to be, this is what I'm looking for, and this is what I'm going to do going forward. There's, there's some things you got to say no to. Yeah, absolutely. The Power of No. That was another uh, good book by James Altucher. <laughs> yeah. Um, any, any last thoughts for our audience or for women? Any more tips? I know you gave us so many, and um, I know you don't consider yourself an expert but you know, in this, but we're just talking. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a student. Uh, two things that are not going to be very popular, but I believe very strongly in them. Number one is I found in my journey of dating that insecurity was the number one killer of my relationships mm. is I don't know what caused it, but men, strong men are looking for confident women. doesn't mean that you always got everything figured out, but the level of insecurity really was corrosive to um, a couple early relationships. Yeah. And the other one is your phone. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Two things about the phone. Choose the phone or me. Yep. When you're with me, I'm with you. It's not about us and the phone. Put the phone down. And the other one is, is that if you're in a relationship and your wife, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend do not have access to your phone whenever they need access, that if someone won't allow you to look at their phone, something's going on. Really interesting, juicy point there. Um, both of them. I love, agreed on all levels, even with friends, put the phone down unless you preface it with like, Hey, I'm sorry, we we're at lunch. I'm awaiting a really important call that I might have to take. Okay. Other than that, don't even look at it. I, I agree with you. I've, I've gotten into fights with friends about this where I'm like, I'm yep. hiking with you. Can you not be on your phone the whole time for no reason looking at Facebook? Like this is rude. Um, so I I'm totally on the, I'm bored with that. 
the, the access to the phone. Now I'm with you on that because I got nothing to hide when I'm in love. If I'm, I'm a lo- I'm very loyal anyway, right. but when I'm in a relationship and I'm scared, I don't care if they were to look through my phone, they're not going to find anything. Right. It right. still might be considered an invasion of privacy. I mean, I might be questioning, yeah. why don't you trust me? But if someone were like, hey, I'm feeling insecure. Do you mind if I look at your phone? Go yeah. ahead. Right. And it's not only that. It's like, I need to make a phone call. Great. I need to look on the internet. Great. I need to look something up. Great. Here it is. There's nothing to hide. That's right. It, that, it, it's not about snooping. It's just about saying, you know, th- there's nothing to hide there. Right. And it, and I guess if you have to hide something, then do it else away from your phone where, where you're not going to get involved in that. You know, hey, can I see your phone for a second? And they're like, uh, no, why? And all of a sudden you're like, well, yeah. now what's going on? Like, Also, I guess the other tip would yeah. be if your boyfriend, girlfriend, da-da-da, is not having sex with you, it's a long time. It's probably happening with someone else <laughs> yes. or there's really, you got to look at that. So that's because I, yeah, on the last question. note, you know, it, I've, I've read that studies have shown that 80% of successful marriages and relationships are based on the sexual chemistry and the, um, the regularity of that. And so, um, yes. I want to quote, there's a, the, the movie cat on a hot tin roof with, uh, like Elizabeth Taylor in it, her and her husband are having a fight and they're just having a terrible time in their marriage and they're at their family plantation home. And I just remember this really crazy scene where the woman, the, the grandmother comes up to their room and she smacks her hand down on the bed and she says, problems that start here end here. <laughs> and I was like, Ooh, <laughs> that is, that's good. Yeah. So I think just take a look yeah. at that in your relationships and your life. And that's another area to, you got to got to improve on. Yeah. Yeah. A woman needs a reason to have sex. A man just needs to have a place. That's, that's very good. Very so good. if, yeah. So if your girls, if you're not having sex with your girl, there's something going on. A guy will have sex. Right. No matter right. What. So if he's not, then that's even extra worrisome. Cause you're like, well, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. If he's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it. Yeah. You got a real, real issue. Yeah. On your hand you poor guys were always like, ah, oh, you guys well, will, you know, you guys will F anything. You got, <laughs> you got so horrible reputation yeah. for that, but it's a little bit, a little bit true in some ways. So, uh, thank you so much for joining us. I hope people gathered some enlightening moments from this conversation. I thought it was really fun. Uh, tell us again, I know it's thorconklin.com. Do you have any upcoming events going on or things that we should be aware of? Yeah. In November, I'll have my signature program, Business Execution Summit, where I bring in entrepreneurs from around the world. We meet here in Atlanta. It's a three-day event uh, where we talk about execution. It's about taking what you know and executing on it. And just like in dating, I do this for business. It's, you know, most of the time you know what to do. It's you're just not following through. You know, the same thing in your health and your fitness, you know, you know what you should be doing. You're just not doing it. We uncover why you're not doing it. Find out what it is and eliminate it. It's not about adding more knowledge or you know, more pressure. It's about finding out what's getting in the way. And tell us a little bit about your podcast, Peak Performers Podcast. Yeah, Peak Performers Podcast. You can listen uh, five days a week. And I interview entrepreneurs, business leaders, uh, athletes. Had a great athlete on Oh, about two months ago, he did a 1,250-mile triathlon. He swam from Africa to Europe. That was the swimming portion. Uh, I hope he had a chase boat with him, I'm assuming. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he had had a whole uh, team with him. But, you know, I want to understand how does an individual like that think? Yeah. You know, what was his nutrition like? 
What were the struggles that he needed to overcome? What was his mindset? And one of the most interesting things out of that interview at the end was he got tested and they wanted to find out, okay, what made this guy so special? And he said it came back and there was nothing. There was no larger heart. There was no right. interesting uh, you know, chemical makeup to his blood or anything. And what he said was, anybody can do it if you're committed enough. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's those little tidbits that I just love uncovering because everything's cross-contextual. I had a uh, interview with a good buddy of mine, three-time Super Bowl champion for San Francisco 49ers, and we started talking. I'm asking things about the you know, football field. What makes you successful on the football field? What, you know, and he starts going on and on. And I'm like, you know, it's really interesting, Steve. I said, this sounds like an awful lot like health and nutrition, business. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I never really thought of that. He goes, it really is all the same. So I want to uncover what makes successful people successful. I love it. So, so such great, inspiring stories on there, and everyone can check it out. It's on your website and also on iTunes, yeah? Absolutely. If anybody has any questions about today's episode, send me an email. I answer all my own emails, so please uh, just drop me a line. Thank you so much for joining us, and um, we will see you next time. Absolutely. Thank you. Hi, folks. Mark Sisson here. And I'd like to tell you about my biggest undertaking yet, the Primal Health Coach Program. My mission is to create a global network of primal health coaches to help transform the health and consciousness of our communities into ones of optimal wellness and happiness. Becoming a primal health coach empowers you to take your primal passions to the next level and embark on a career you love, inspiring others to live lives of vitality and lasting wellness. If you dream of a career in health coaching but have been held back by worries such as the investment of time and money, then I encourage you to hesitate no longer. Health coaching is the fastest growing specialty in all of coaching, and we've created an online education program that allows you to learn from the comfort of your own home and at your own pace. The world needs primal health coaches to provide a blend of ancestral wellness solutions to the modern health crisis. The world needs you. Are you ready to become one of the world's most trusted, experienced, and knowledgeable health coaches? To learn more about this online certification program and to take the first step toward a career you love, visit PrimalHealthCoach.com and subscribe.